All right. You've been patient, you've been kind, and you've been super generous. Lots of notes in over the last year as we took some time off the air, but welcome back to Mindset Radio. So a lot of things changed, a lot of things moving forward. As we begin to settle up for the new relaunch and bring in a spectacular co-host, my dear friend, Mike Brown, to join me uh, as we dissect the art and science of results. Now, Leading up to that, Mike and I have been running the 2022 Built by Brute Force Challenge, and we've brought some amazing people to the table with spectacular interviews, sharing their wisdom and their insights on how to improve performance, how to deal with a variety of aspects, and really setting yourself up for a spectacular 2022. So we're going to be sharing those interviews here out on Mindset Radio, uh, all those bonus episodes as we start to lay the groundwork, get back on the air, get back on track, and get back moving. So thanks for hanging in there. Or if you're listening new, make sure you download, subscribe, stick around because the new episodes will be airing soon. That's, oh. Hey, I'm just glad to be here. So oh. we'll make it good. Dude, absolutely. Always. All right, Brew Crew, I think we're up and live, finally. Sorry, a little technical difficulty on my end. Been a day. Uh, I would, well, yeah, I would love to take a second and introduce you to uh, a gentleman who has become a uh, good friend of mine over the years. I mean, I don't even, Eric, I don't remember how we connected and who connected us or whatever, but uh, it's it's been a while and then kind of back and forth. Uh, but uh, stoked to have you here. In the group. I'm excited to be here. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on kind of at the onset of this, right? So we just started our six-week challenge. Uh, mm -hmm. We're three days in. Everybody's hyped up. Everybody's stoked. Everybody's like cranking away and, you know, doing all the great stuff. And, uh, you know, and I think you and I both know from dealing with <laughs> human behavior, you know, we may see some creep on that over the time. Yep. And... I really thought it'd be a great idea just given your background between the NFL, the Olympic athletes you've worked with, the, the radical levels of wisdom you have around mm -hmm. just the human system, right, at large, and kind of mm -hmm. all the little nuanced details that that you have assimilated. I mean, I think that's the thing I appreciate, I appreciate about you the most. I think it's why we connected. You know, you're not, I don't view you as just like a, hey, I have a little niche lane here, like you you bring the encompassing aspect to it. and Well, thank you. <laughs> dude, I'm, so I'm stoked to have you here, man. Well, I'm excited to be here, ready to have a good conversation, and hopefully we can answer some good questions too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you guys are going to tune in, if you're turning in and listening, whether you're on YouTube or on Facebook, uh, if you have any questions as we're going through this, uh, feel free, drop them in the chat, and we'll answer them as we go. But, uh, you know, Eric, why don't you take just a quick second at least Introduce yourself. I don't want to yeah. not do you justice. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, so uh, currently I'm the founder of a company called AIM7. And uh, what we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But we basically are building a platform that's unlocking wearable and mobile health data to provide customized and predictive wellness recommendations. But um, before that, I spent over 16 years in collegiate and professional sports, including the NFL, working as a sports scientist and a high performance director. I also worked for about 14 years in professional track and field and was blessed to coach some Olympic gold medalists, some really cool people, I think one of which you're going to have on later. Maybe. <coughs> yeah. Surprise, and, surprise. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so 
my career kind of took a turn back in 2010 when I was at Florida State University working for new coach Jimbo Fisher. And we were looking for a way to bring this one-story program back on top. And uh, I found uh, athlete tracking technology over in Australia. Went over there, learned about it, brought it back. And it was the first time somebody had ever tracked and quantified the game of football. So we had like very connected GPS satellites, heart rate monitor, all this stuff in game. Nobody had ever done that before. And it really expanded our knowledge of what's actually happening on the field. And uh, we were able to use that information. And in one year, we had an 88% reduction in injury. And we ended up winning a championship. And then that was adopted across college football and the NFL that like opened up a billion dollar market. Um, I went to Kentucky and this is kind of when our paths started to cross, I think a little bit later, but um, I got really interested in like how our body can adapt to stress. Hmm. And so I decided to get a uh, doctoral degree and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to study something, I want to study something that's important. And there's three things you can't live without sleep, water, and food. So I was like, I'm going to study sleep and how sleep maybe impacts our ability to adapt to stress. Cause when you're training athletes, or you're training a combat athlete or somebody in the community that you've worked in, the person that can adapt fastest is going to be the person that improves their skill and is going to have the ability to be more resilient. So we looked at how sleep impacts the brain's ability to adapt to stress. And we were using some technology that you've also used. And, um, and then we did some really cool research on some stuff called fluid periodization, which we can talk about if you want to, um, went on to work in the NFL and then uh, had a career shift in 2020 that uh, was kind of a long time coming. And so, yeah, yeah, I think we, everybody was like, I just took the year off. I was like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Thanks. <laughs> I, I left a secure field and started a business and moved back to Houston. Um, I'm from Dallas, but uh, it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, so hopefully everybody that, you know, listens in and, is going to pick up on here and pick up later, definitely, because I may have some questions I send you afterwards uh, mm-hmm. to kind of answer back in. I mean, the credibility is is there. I mean, it's, it's your depth of knowledge is phenomenal. And, you know, I think what I'd like to just kind of create the conversation around today is uh, a couple key things. One, I want to hit like what you just said, right? What, what are the most critical things, right? Let's go down to the lowest common denominator. Let's look okay. at some of the most critical things that we need to do. Uh, I sat on a panel last year in Cabo on performance and great people with me. Uh, some of them you may know. And and one of the one of the people actually asked me or asked the panel, they're like, you know, how important is sleep? Uh, mm-hmm. Which may seem like a, you know, a question of like, Oh, and I, you know, and I kind of, in my offhanded Jeff manner, Ben manism, was like, well, you know, for like almost two decades of my life, I would say not important. Now that I'm actually yeah. out of that space, I would say ridiculously critical. Oh, yes. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about really the the kind of the science of sleep, the importance of it, the value of it, what it's actually doing for us, so we can anchor into it. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, there's a couple things that happen when you sleep. So really interesting about sleep is, is we know that there's like these three things that regulate sleep. Uh, there's a circadian process, what we call a homeostatic process, an ultradian process. 
<laughs> Interestingly enough, though, there is nothing that you could do. There's nothing in the brain that you could lesion off that would completely cut off sleep. Fascinating. Hmm. Uh, when I was doing my doctoral work, I found this. So sleep is one of those things. If you ever read art, like like peer reviewed literature on sleep, almost every article starts off with this. Sleep is really important, and we still don't know everything about it. Right. Um, but we do know three things that happen when you sleep. One is your brain detoxifies itself. There's something called the glymphatic system. So we have the lymphatic system in the body. And just in the past 10, 12 years, they found that there's these what's called paravascular pathways in the brain. What happens is when you sleep, your brain literally flushes out metabolic waste products, some of which are associated with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, like these uh, amyloid plaques. Uh, so your brain's literally like, it's offline and it's flushing the crap out of your brain. Uh, number two is sleep was when memory and uh, memory consolidation and learning really gets cemented. Hmm. And uh, we can talk about that a little bit more. And then the third part is tissue regeneration, which I, these are like three huge buckets. There's other yeah. things that happen. Sure. But um, I'll go to tissue regeneration because we can hit the, the neuroplastic part of this. But when you sleep, especially in the first part of sleep. So sleep is broken up into these 90 to 110 minute cycles of REM and non-REM sleep. And um, there's phases to non-REM, but there's something called deep sleep, okay? That's part of the non-REM piece. Early on in sleep, your body has a pressure for non-REM sleep. So if you look at a 90 minute cycle, more of that cycle is going to be non-REM and less is going to be REM. Hmm. As the night goes on, it shifts from non-REM to REM. So what happens in that early part? Uh, growth hormone is released in what's called a pulsatile fashion. Like you get a pulse in growth hormone. Growth hormone does what? It helps with tissue regeneration. Another other cool things that happen is, is like during um, REM sleep, so you have like a hormonal thing that helps you recover, but during REM sleep, um, your, your body's basically in a state of paralysis. There's a blocking at the corticospinal pathways that literally like paralyze your body, which allow you to completely recover. Because if your body can't do anything, your tissues aren't moving, guess what? Like your muscle tissues, they can recover better. The frightening part about that is like, you know, people are like, well, why does it we're in a state of paralysis? Have you ever had a crazy dream where like you were flying or you like jumped off a building or something crazy happened? Imagine if you could actually move when you had those dreams. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on you because you just, I mean... And I don't know if it's like my body fighting it, like the years of training and everything else. Because I will tell you, for for many years, uh -huh. I think I I think my body naturally resisted getting to that state because I literally could tell you, I mean, consistently that I would wake up almost in a state of fear and and for a moment be unable to move. It's almost like my body That's was like tipping into that. And then somewhere in my system going, no, Jeff, somebody may come through the door right this minute. And, you know, you're in Badlands and you can't get there, right? You can't get to that space. Yes. I'm just be curious. Like, is there, like, is now, that... There are small, there are stories of people that wake up and there's a brief moment where they're in paralysis yeah. and they yeah. can't move. And can't. it's absolutely frightening. Yeah. Repeatedly for, for decades, I have dealt with that. That's... That's intense. I've never really met somebody that's had repeated exposure to REM state paralysis, but dude, <laughs> welcome to my world, man. 
I'm a, yeah. I'm a whole I'm a whole exam as Mike Brown. I'm just a, a daily, you know, throw out of, oh, we should just study Jeff for a little bit. Well, that's why that's probably why you've gone down these pathways of learning so much about yeah. um about regulating your autonomic nervous system. Um yeah, so another cool thing is sleep. There's a, there's these scientists, Tononi and Sorelli, and they have this thing called the synaptic homeostasis hypothesis, which has since then been proven true. But they say sleep is the price the brain pays for plasticity. Hmm. So neuroplasticity is the brain's changing in response to environment or experience. And so what happens is, is um, there was a group called... Uh, uh, a paper written by DeVivo and colleagues, which later on showed that during sleep, the neurons in your brain actually scale. Some get bigger and some shrink, actually more shrink than expand. Hmm. And here's why, because during the day, let's say you're learning, let's say we're going through this challenge right now, right? And we're learning some very difficult things. When you are learning something, um, there's a lot of things that happen in the body, you get an increase in adrenaline, which makes you real focused, a little bit agitated. Also, um, acetylcholine is released and it actually tags neurons in your brain that were used in that learning situation. Later on, when you're in sleep, your brain actually strengthens those connections. And the um, uh, and other ones though that weren't used are weakened. Hmm. It's called selective weakening. And so it's crazy. Your brain is actually contracting and expanding. And actually now there's functional MRI that shows when you breathe, your brain moves. How wild is that? Crazy. But if that didn't occur, your brain would literally like just start bulging out of your head. So um, sleep is like it's for tissue regeneration, detoxification, and all the hard work that you put in during the day, learning new skills is cemented when you sleep at night. And so if you're not getting enough sleep, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. What we found in my research was looking at college football players in the SEC, which is the best conference in college football. Uh, I'm an, actually, no bias I have three there, degrees. <laughs> I actually have three degrees from SEC school, so I'm a little bit biased. But anyways, um, uh, we found that uh, looking at direct current potential of the brain, which you could probably go on for days about. Sure. Long story short, we found that athletes that slept between seven to nine hours a night had were able to adapt to more stress than their counterparts. And there's a bell curve with this. Sleeping too little is bad. Sleeping too long is bad. Research also shows there's a bell curve, bell curve with all-cause mortality. Consistently sleeping less than seven hours a night over long a long period of time, for most people, you're actually going to cut your lifespan. Sleeping longer than nine hours per night is actually going to cut your lifespan. Wow. So you can't be lazy. So it's like there is a window for most people. And if you're that person, if you're like out there going, oh, wait, 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 I'm great on five hours of sleep every night. Most likely you're not. Uh, unless you have the genetic polymorphism for it, which is only like a fraction of minute fraction of the population. <laughs> you have to get sleep. Right. You may have survived on that much. Yes. And you may not even, you may be like, I'm fine, but you don't even know what good is yet. Right. And that's why people go through your courses because like, you're like, I'm fine. But you're like, no, no, no. You haven't even tapped into the other 30% that you're capable of. 
Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, we used to see, I'm jump in on you. We used to, I used to see that yeah. stuff when we were working with Naval Special Warfare and, and the teams. You know, you take some of these guys, and it was interesting because this was back when we were doing all the heart rate variability work and really watching stuff. But, you know, this was, of course, leave it to the team guys to like throw a wrench in the mix. Uh, you know, I've got some guys that are fresh out of buds or, you know, one or maybe one or two deployments under, <clears throat> they're not exhausted yet. You know, and their HRV's climbing up, right? They're resting kind of base HRV and high quality is, you know, somewhere in the, 150 range, maybe up a little bit higher because they're strong athletes, they're in great shape. You know, flip that to the dude who's been deployed for, you know, 18 deployments, multiple combat engagements, everything else, and, you know, is on all the meds and probably drinking too much. And, you know, he's literally like, I'm just got him dragging the bottom at like 32. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, can't, won't even, no matter what you do, won't even blip. Now, mm. performance factors still on mark. Right. I mean, the day in and day out decision making awareness and, and that really showed me. Not that it's a good thing, but the body's capability to compensate and then tell us we're OK when reality that guy's heading for a brick wall. I mean, that's mm. that's going to come to a sharp end at some point in time, hopefully not yes. physically. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's where we that's I think that's the greatest thing that I've learned. Kind of out of my community over time it's like yeah i mean we're running a gun in and we're cool and we're good and yeah i'm in good shape and my body's in compensation mode and sure i can be up and get two hours of sleep or five hours of sleep and do everything i need to do however comma you know that's a freight train and there's a brick wall mm -hmm. on the track that you're headed to and that's why i think this conversation is so important because even in this six-week span you know like this is to make it this six weeks take mm. is going to take something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's going to take, you know, I actually had a conversation with a, with a guy today named, uh, his name is Dr. Americus Reed. Amazing name. Mm. He's at Wharton and he's a professor and he teaches on brand identity. Mm. Wild stuff. Like why yeah. people identify with certain brands. And then how you can create an identity around that to actually achieve goals. This is fascinating conversation. And here's my recommendation. I know this is like not about sleep, yeah. but you and I both dealt with different communities of people that have to accomplish very difficult goals. When you first get started in a goal like this, like for a six week pathway project, you should like celebrate every time you freaking do something. Because emotions do create uh, habits mm -hmm. early on. Yes. After you get over that, like, hey, man, I, I did 10 minutes of breathing. Or I did five minutes of breathing, whatever you did. Or I did the workout today. Then you need to start shifting your focus to not the, in, the emotional aspect or the carrot on the stick. But, like, I'm actually enjoying and finding joy in the process. That growth mindset shift. And yeah. that's going to help you endure maybe week four or five when you're like, okay, I got kids going on. I got this going on. Like it's February. Weather sucks where I'm at. Now you got to find like pleasure in the quote pain. Mm -hmm. Now you're not making, I mean, breathing isn't painful, but it's more like, it's so weird. Like I got to take five minutes to breathe. And you're like, yeah, what else are you going to do with your five minutes? Or 10 minutes. You're going to go yeah. sit and get on Instagram and just scroll and then like waste your life away. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. But 
I, I pulled that out of that conversation today and that was like really fascinating to me. I hadn't really, he, he is a really interesting conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been, I, you know, the cool thing about putting this particular design <coughs> together, you know, 300 minutes of mindfulness. So average out 10 minutes a day, 30 workouts, that's five a week. So they get two rest days integrated, their choice. Uh, and they can do any wads they want. They don't have to just do our programming, right? So we just mm -hmm. kind of open it up. When we got people doing a variety of things, because we have people that are just kicking back in, right? Beginning of the year, you know, like all of us, right? You just fall out of the mix and there's no, uh, right? yeah, there's no judgment of just where we are. Um, yeah. You know, and then the, and then the lessons and, you know, being connected to amazing people like you. I mean, I think that that is, you know, that's what, when I talked day one, uh, the, the lesson day one, it was really about, listen, you know, I, I gave them the rhythmic breathing kind of, you know, in through full re-exercise that diaphragm, re-engage those muscles. You know, it's interesting when you brought up the sleep stuff because, uh, you know, I talk about, you look at kids seven or under, they're all belly breathers. That's our, that's our natural state. And then, you know, when we hit the playground, we now have to posture. We now have to like, you know, make ourselves bigger as tall as we can. And, and then that just accelerates through life. And then all of a sudden we're living in shallow breathing uh, our whole lives. And so it's part of that return to that point, you know, but it was interesting when you were talking about the sleep cycle uh, with little man, right? With the girls, it was, it was crazy. But with little man, we did a lot of research on sleep. And, hmm. and we found this woman's sleep guide pattern and she did exactly what you just talked about. What she talked about was training your child like at you know, zero to six months, they sleep in a 45 minute cycle at, you know, with this, it extends to 90 mm. minutes. And, and so she laid out all those cycles. And then the objective was to create the, create the environment that helped them learn to bridge their cycles. Mm. It was, let me tell you something, little man has slept in his bed by himself since six months. Like we were you know, going to do co-sleeping thing and everything else. That kid didn't want to sleep with us. We, we figured that cycle out early, put him in structure, wow. and and literally to this day, he sleeps from 7.30 to 7.30 all the way through the night with rare occasion, you know, blips, uh, you know, normal stuff, but, but yeah. like literally these four now. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, and he he's a phenomenal sleeper, but, you know, that's interesting. So, so that's interesting that you said that because that just connected for me because I love part of my later study was looking at, okay, how'd we come out? What'd we come like, you know, in our natural state? And then how has, you know, whether it's nature or nurture or environment or whatever else kind of begun to shift us in a direction that then creates us in that compensation mode, which is what we were just talking about, right? So the body will compensate yeah. for anything. Uh, how do we unwind? And you will... Sorry. How do we unwind? How do we unwind that? Um, <laughs> Not to put you on the spot or anything, but no, no, no. Well, I think so. Something I've leaned into is adaptability. Hmm. Okay, and so like that's a big thing. It's it's like you know we only have a finite amount of res adaptive reserves. Everybody does. Okay, and if. If like this, this is like a bowl I got in my hands here and I can fill this bowl up and this is the all, all the stress I can handle. Now stress, it's not a bad thing, but stress comes from all different things. Stressors, you know, uh, money, relationships, exercise, you name it. Everything. 
And I fill this bowl up. Like any little thing is going to jostle it, spill over. You're going to feel like life's out of control. Now, if we can become more adaptable and expand our capacity to handle stress. Now, if I have a huge bowl that I can put both my hands around and I fill it with the same amount of stress before, it's nothing, right? Um, in training, it's the same way. And so like I've started really thinking about like, how do we expand our capability to handle stress? Mm. How do we get a better envelope? And there's a few things I, I think we could talk about. One is like, you know, we could start with, re, you know, sleep is huge. Well, everybody's like, well, great. Okay. I need to sleep more. Thanks. I appreciate the big tip there. Yeah. Um, you know, really quickly, I think there's some, there's some, a couple of things we can talk about how to create the conditions for sleep. Mm, yes, um, please. Cause sleep, sleep is the number one recovery tool that you have. So, uh, I, especially since the pandemic's happened, everybody's inside. Okay. Yeah. Um, and our circadian clock is entrained by what are called Zeitgebers, or that's German for time givers. Now, the circadian process is internal, but it can get out of whack, okay? And so you can entrain it. Things that can entrain it are like light, temperature, humidity. One of the easiest ways to do this and to keep you on track is early morning sun exposure. We've known this for a while now that... Um, there's something called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which sits above the roof of your mouth. And it is the circadian pacemaker. Huh. You have a pacemaker for your heart. The suprachiasmatic nucleus or the SCN is the pacemaker for your circadian clock. When you see sunlight early in the day, low solar angle, uh, it doesn't have to be like right when it's coming up, but you know, before 9 a.m., there's a certain quality of light and there's certain cells in your eyes that sense this. They're called the melanopsin retinal ganglion cells. And what they do is they send a signal to the SCN that sends a signal to every cell in your body that's time to be awake. And that signal is a rise in temperature. Hmm. Your temperature bottoms out several hours before you wake up. And then the SCN's like, hey, it's time to wake up. Sends a what it also does is this. It increases cortisol, which is great. You get this big, you should get a big spike in cortisol, which makes you more alert. It also starts this timer, essentially, that's like, hey, 12 to 16 hours later, let's start increasing melatonin so you can sleep at night. If you're not at least getting 10 minutes of sun exposure in the morning, you're going to have a very hard time in training your circadian clock. You're going to feel dysregulated. It's going to be hard to fall asleep. Now, right now, people are like, okay, well, I live in the Midwest, upper Midwest, and it's cloudy. It's still better than I have box lighting behind here yeah. than a box light there under clouds. So maybe you don't, you don't can't get it all at 10 minutes at one time. Just get outside on your porch, put your big coat on, and just go get five minutes, go back inside. Maybe you're taking your kids to school. You drop them off, you get five more minutes. And then throughout the day, periodically go outside so you're anchored on what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Second thing is, is if, if light is a, um, is an alerting signal, don't you think it would be an alerting signal in the evening? So as the evening starts coming and the sun starts going down, start dimming the lights in your house. Uh, I don't want to get in. We don't have a ton of time yeah. to go into this, but especially overhead lights. Yeah. You don't want overhead lights. Okay. Um, basic sleep hygiene, make your room cold, dark, and quiet like a cave. Cold because uh, you want to have a drop in temperature that'll help uh, 
usher you into sleep. Hmm. Dark, like freaking blackout dark. Turn your cell phone over. If there's a light coming from under the door, put a towel there. And then quiet. Like really, really quiet. Now, if you have to live in a big city, you could use a white noisemaker. Um, but cold, dark, and quiet. Hmm. Um, and here's something fascinating. There was a paper that was just put out in the past six months by researchers at the University of Colorado, the Broad Institute at Harvard and MIT. And they found that going to bed earlier and waking up earlier by at least one hour. So let's say you go to bed at 1 a.m. If you were to go to bed at 12 o'clock and waking up earlier, reduced your risk of major depressive symptoms by 23%. Wow. Um, and this was a massive study with over 800,000 people. Um, what they, if you go to bed two hours early, it was like 40%. But here's the why. Because if you wake up earlier, you're going to get sun exposure earlier, which trips off a whole cascade of events. And that was actually in the paper. So you want to talk about mental health. Okay, so sleep is one. That's a huge component. Okay. Number two is, is and, I, and this is you, is your mindset, your ability to be more resilient, which is the ability to adapt to adversity. And all the stuff that you're doing on the breathing and creating a um, psychological flexibility is really, really important in this process. A good friend of mine, Dr. Peter Haberl, he's a senior sports psychologist for the USOC, the US Olympic Committee. Brilliant. He's like a goat. When it, he's like the goat when it comes to mindfulness and attentional performance. Yeah. He says attention is the currency of performance. Mm. Ooh, I and like when, when yes, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, keep talking. <laughs> and mindfulness meditation has been demonstrated to improve attentional focus and control. Uh, if you, I have a podcast I recorded him. I have a podcast called The Blueprint. Episode yeah. five, he goes in a deep dive on this. But there's a great paper in the Frontiers of Neuroscience on this. But if you're training the the 300 minutes of mindful breathing that you're teaching people. You can improve their ability to be more resilient under stress, but also what we want to do is, is capture a wandering mind and bring it back into the current situation. So sleep, mindset, mental training, physical exercise is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, there's so many things on adaptive capability of not only the central um, components like your heart. Um, your cardiovascular system, your lung cardiopulmonary system, peripheral tissue, central nervous system adaptations, but you need to be exercising. And to be honest, 150 minutes a week doesn't really cut it. Yeah. I mean, it's, totally. that's what the, they're saying is like the baseline, but yeah. 300 minutes is really where you want to be shooting for. And your program's definitely going to get that done. Um, the last two things, and we can, and I'll let you, I just wanted to sure. kind of outline these really yeah, quick. That's great is nutrition, mm-hmm. eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Now you can call that whatever you want, but that's unprocessed foods, multicolored vegetables, nuts, whole grains, fish, healthy oils, um, reduce the impact of stress and then enable effective repair of tissues. And there was a, I'm looking at this right now. I actually took a note on this. Uh, A study published in the National Library of Medicine Center for Biotechnology found that adopting an anti-inflammatory diet is an effective means for lowering depression, 
and depressive symptoms. Wow. And so like, if you think about like, what's going to lead to depression, it's like overstress on the system. Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to put the system, the body, the human organism in a state where it can adapt. Yes. And then the last thing is community. Yes. Mm-hmm. And all these things you guys are doing, I'm just kind of reinforcing. Hey it. man, I'm, I, we, this was not by accident. We didn't design this <laughs> thing by accident. Let me tell you. <laughs> so there's a study in the British Psychological Society that points out that during the lockdown, greater social connectedness was associated with less worry and fatigue, as well as lowered uh, levels of perceived stress. So, in times of stress. It's not the time to pull back and be by yourself. No, right. It's you got to connect. And so long story short is this. If you want to adapt to more stress, you have to create the conditions for adaptability. And that's probably the big first chunk of that. Sorry, I went on for a while. No, man. Hey, you're, listen, this is gold. I mean, you know, you know me, we we could just do this all day. I don't (laughs) care if anybody's listening or not. I'm loving it. Uh, Matt, I think that's, you know, there's, so I want to, I want to kind of back to a couple of things and then we got some questions that I want to uh, address here. So if people are, are mm-hmm. putting some things in and or some things from earlier uh, posted on there. So you, you made a statement not too long ago that I want to reiterate because this is, this has really helped me personally. Cause it's not like I, you know, have been without challenge in many areas, right? Over the course of my life, that's part of why take all this stuff on because it's like how do we how do we get better but when the pain point's personal well it's easier to go into it easier much easier so one uh the sleep stuff is critically important back years ago i had a chance to work with btc the brain treatment center did all the you know focused neuro realignment stuff but the first thing that they did was put us on a the the exact circadian rhythm reset you just spoke about so mm. up early, clear exposure to sunlight prior to nine or 10 o'clock outside, unintruded, you know, not through windows or anything else outside, went through that whole process. Let me tell you something, within a week, it was magic. Like it, I mean, you know, it took a week. If you for, want to re-train it. Yeah. There's research that shows they took college students camping. Yeah. You yeah. do it for a week in the woods. Man. You go back to normal. Yeah, it, it was nuts <laughs> quickly, you know, that shifted because they talked about exactly what you talked about. They talked about the, the timing of the brain, sleep in certain time zones, give better opportunity for regenerate for everything to happen. So, um, I, you know, I, from, from my own experience in kind of the scientific realm, I just wanted to back that for everybody listening. That it's like, this yeah. isn't theory. This is real deal stuff. Um, but the, the key point was, and this is how I try to communicate everything, because I think this is generally important, because now we're going to cross into kind of like the psychology of this whole process. Mm-hmm. You, you made the statement about the system, right? Which I think is so important for us in general to understand, because when I begin to separate identity, I'm bad, I'm not sleeping, I don't eat well, I don't do this. When I can actually like pull my human system out and create it as a as something not wrapped into the guilt and garbage we deal with, right? The negativity things that, that do occur. When I pull it out, then it's like, oh, I want to care for my system, right? I want to put my system in the best condition it can be in to do what it is I want to do, which is complete this challenge. And so mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I, I've learned, I learned to do that over the years and, and it's given me a very objective view of the things I need to do and less like, oh, I didn't get sleep in. Oh, I'm eating crap. Oh, I went to McDonald's yesterday because I was hungry. Okay, so what? Who cares? Right? Yeah. What What do I need to do now to regenerate my system or put my system in the condition it needs to be in? So I just, I loved how you said that because that one triggered for me. It allow you to to be more resilient to the perturbations of life. Uh, yeah. I've got a nine, a six, and a 19-month-year-old boys. And, you know, my wife more than me, but she doesn't get, you know, goes through the sleep issues. But, like, yeah. there's a lot of stress. Yeah, I'm a founder of a company. Yeah. There's a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, when you built these systems into your life, you can handle more. And then you have things to fall back on when times get tough. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. So I'm going to ask a question and we got somebody asked because this is relevant here where we're going. Uh, sleep for night shift people, midnight shift, right? Or it's a midnight shift. How do we compensate? How do we, how do we effectively navigate that road? Because, you know, we're dealing with, you're talking to cops, firemen, dispatchers, nurses, doctors. I mean, a lot of our community are, you know, in a variety of ways and then just other people that are working shift work on things. Like what, what's the, What's yeah, so there? <laughs> you're or are you screwed? <laughs> um, I will be look, I'll be straight up honest. You can be honest, yeah. I don't, this is not an area I've looked at enough. Mm. I hear th- some things I know, okay? Like, yeah. you may be an expert in certain parts of sleep, but like, sure. it doesn't mean you're an expert in everything. So, I'm never yeah. gonna BS anybody. Unfortunately, we know this. Uh, sleep has been identified, uh, shift work has been identified as a carcinogen. Mm. Uh, which means it's a cancer-causing agent. Mm. Why is that? Well, we don't know everything, but you're probably thinking of circadian disruption. People that work shift work may not be getting enough sleep. It's just put you in a funky state. <coughs> um, <coughs> I'm sorry. I've got a little cough. No, no worries. <coughs> that Rona is everywhere, man. Everywhere, um, man. <laughs> it's like everybody's getting taken out. But... Uh, yeah. If, if you are working shift work, you do need to have some circadian entrainment. You do need to get light exposure at the right times to wake you up. And then if you're going to be sleeping during the day, you got to eliminate light. So those things do um, uh, two days for 10 hours, followed by two days, 14 hour nights, but four days off between. Doggone. You know what? Um, <laughs> yeah, you seeing that? Here's, here's yeah. what I'm going to do. Um, Jeff, I, I'm, there's actually a great podcast by Andrew Huberman, and he did like an hour and a half on shift work. Oh. So I'm not going to sit here and try to BS this no. thing. Um, I would highly recommend you check that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, no, man, I, that's the way I operate. Listen, if I, don't, <laughs> if I don't have the answer for it or the qualified answer for it, and I know where it is. I I'll haven't just... read on it enough lately, but I do remember that he did a 90-minute podcast on that. And so... Uh, we'll find the link for that and send it to Great. you. Great. Hey, Sean. Yep. We'll get it to you. Absolutely. You know, we'll dig in on that. I mean, I'm taking notes and I'm going to review all this stuff and make sure that we get some quality information because this is, you know, that is, you know, that's a, a pretty normal experience for a lot of our community. Uh, I'll tell you when, when we're working in the NFL and people would go to Europe yeah. to play games. Yep. It was all light exposure manipulation. Yep. Now, those were acute one-offs. And so, like, 
in the morning, try to get as much light into the eyes as possible to mm-hmm. wake them up and make them feel alert so that they can, oh, they get the signal that they need to go. Right. Um, I, I've had I've heard some stuff recently from um, David Sinclair at Harvard mm-hmm. on NMN when when you're adjusting the time zone differences or NAD, which is a, a, a really important uh, molecule for energy production. You may want to look into that, but check out that that podcast and then we'll try to find some papers or stuff so we can send you guys. Yeah, and I'll reach out to uh, my buddy, uh, Andrew Herr. I don't know, do you know Andrew? Have you ever met Andrew? Sounds, oh, that sounds really familiar. Yeah, he might. I mean, he's the guy that developed the, uh, he was actually working some of the human yes. program. Okay, and developed the sleep. Yeah, and developed the, the, the radical sleep for all the fellas, for all the ladies yeah. and fellas. Who would need to go like from here to there quickly and be ready to rock and roll? Yeah, um, they could do it with like zero fatigue. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we should reach out to Andrew. Maybe we'll do a three-way podcast because he's uh, yeah, yeah. He sends me people like he's Andrew's a trip. He calls me when when he's worked everybody through all their systems and then he's not making the progress. He calls me and says, "Hey Jeff, will you work with this guy?" To, and we do all the central nervous system reset mm-hmm. and re-anchoring of safety, all that work and. Put them right back in, and then they see a significant acceleration. He's a super sharp guy. Oh, yeah. Another brilliant mind. So blessed. All right. So let me, uh, let me grab another couple questions here. Okay. So I, and I think this is a good one because, you know, I like to kind of dispute a bunch of garbage out there anyway. Uh, value on performance and recovery tools from the populars, Whoop, Apple, right? The, like, the technology, technology and of of what's there, and you can speak to whatever you want. I, you know, yeah. And I'll own, so, I'll own all of it. I'll put the disclaimer on. Anything that comes out of Eric's mouth now is my responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, there's nothing wrong with the tech with technology yeah. in general. Like, but I think everybody will agree, data without insight is completely useless. Useless. So, like, um, I wear an Apple Watch. I wear an Aura ring. Okay. okay. Um, I have an invested reason because of my company aim seven, but when we first started sure. working with athletes and we had, imagine the first time somebody put a Fitbit on an athlete on a field. That was us. I had a former NASA propulsion engineer working with me because we had so much data. You're going to laugh. But the first time I brought the head coach a report, he was like, all right, it was just a bunch of data. Like, <laughs> and he was like, so was practice hard. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he like, MF me, send yep. me back to my office. And I'm yep. sitting back there. I'm like, okay, what did I do? <laughs> and that's when I realized like data without insight is completely useless. Useless. Yep. So what what we do with AIM 7 is, is I started looking, it took us about nine months to figure out how to fix that thing. And, and we ended up turning it around. Like I talked about earlier. Yeah. Is we're taking data from these commonly worn devices like Apple watch or ring Garmin and we're turning it into custom uh, recommendations for exercise programs that you love. So for instance, brute force. Here's the thing. We did research at the University of Kentucky and um, one of my doctoral students, Dr. Chris Morris, did something. We did a study on what's called fluid periodization. Mm-hmm. This is what it means. Just because you have a plan written on paper does not mean that you're always going to get better. Why? Because stress is variable. So what we found was, is this is with college football players that over an eight week period of time, 
we had a plan for eight weeks. Okay, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to do this. Half of the team did that. The other half of the team used biometric data from wearables, and they adjusted their training up or down based off of how they were adapting to stress. The mm-hmm. guys that did that versus the guys that didn't had anywhere between 150 and 500% more improvement than their counterparts. So what we've done is we built this into our app. We suck all your data in and we give you a recommendation. We're like, hey, today you should go this hard and this long um, and you know this heart rate zone or whatever for you, for whatever you're doing. And there's like ton, like 100 different variations of things that you can do. Then after 90, after 30 days, what we do is we do a deep dive on your data and we go, okay, here's the number one thing that's holding you back from being more adaptable. Yeah. And then we open up content and features to help you fix it. So we, we're at the platform, all these things plug into. So there's nothing wrong with an aura ring. Yeah. I love the data, but where wearables fail you is you're like, okay, I slept seven hours or my HRV sucks. Like, how do I fix it? Right. Right. And so that's what we've done is we're like, great, we'll take in your data and we'll make it useful for you. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And that's the thing I love about what you, I mean, you and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, like, because, because we're, you know, we're very much aligned in the same way. I mean, the same thing. I can remember when I was like, yeah. you know, all excited and giddy going into the office to, you know, sit with the boss and be like, look at all this data, look at and this and this and everything else. And he's like, so what? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, I sat with the commander at Naval Special Warfare. He literally looked across the table at me after the first exercise and was like, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah. oh, and then we had to make them care, right? I mean, and over time, you're talking, the, but the value of the data, I mean, here was the result of the next couple exercises, the value of that. They ended up completely restructuring teams and redeploying teams to different places in the in the world mm. based on the data that we created, you know. Between, but you made it actionable. We made it actionable. That right? data 100%. just sat on a paper or yeah. in a really cool useless. data visualization. It's useless. And so yeah. it's the data in the hands of, of the user. And so that's what we're doing for for the for general yeah. population. Is we're, we're working with people that don't have time to do that. We're like, hey, yeah. we'll use our expertise and we'll make it useful. Yeah. I don't need to know what my HRV number is. I just need to know what I need to do. You know, and that's yes. Absolutely. Yes. That's I'm I people all you know, people tell me all the time, you know, because they find out I'm a heart rate variability guy and they're like, Oh, well, my heart rate variability is and I'm like, Oh, cool. What does that mean? And they're like, um, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Right. So uh, I love that. Let me see here real quick. And then so yeah, so great, great question. Devices are great. I have my own torts about some of them. However, make sure you're getting data. Make sure you're, you know what to do, right? I always say uh, it's kind of like... Shameless plug. Go. Go. AIM7.com. Oh, I was going to do it anyway. It's free. Uh, it's, we're in beta. Ugh. So we we just started our, our third cohort. So in February, if you want to sign up, we'll let in... It's like three weeks from now, we'll be letting in the next group of folks. It's free um we're building with you so if you're well, interested gonna, in that you want to make I, i'm gonna check put, it out i'm just gonna put a post in the group about it and make sure oh, perfect uh, thank just you just because that's yeah 100 i mean that's because i i'm i'm gonna be on it oh. i love it Very. yeah absolutely um i did want to oh uh let's see here let me look back uh, all right so okay 
tips on, you know, you I shared your post earlier about the nasal breathing and the, the advantages. Oh. So I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a shameless plug for you. Listen, I, all of, all of Eric's stuff is up in the, in the post. So I'm going to make sure you have it literally like one of the most valuable things you can put in your Instagram feed over the course of the day, especially for the next six weeks. You can unfollow Eric and be in the six weeks if you want, <laughs> <laughs> but literally like, I get value out of Eric every day in my Instagram feed. So thank you. Yeah. Make sure you get over there. So the question is, and we can kind of dive into this. I know we're on time. You let me know where we are <laughs> and what you need done. Uh, tips on breathing patterns when working out, uh, you know, squats and slower movements are easy. Inhale, brace, exhale, right? You're kind of in through the movement, but with the sandbag workout and, you know, really kind of for us, it was interesting. We're having this conversation that I'll talk to you later about, but more of a instinctual fitness model over a functional mm -hmm. fitness model. You know, when when you're dealing with the sand, because you're 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 in that unstable load, you're in that odd object. Everything's constantly moving and shifting. You're never like huh, there's no place to like rest for a minute and then go. Right. The breath patterns really get disrupted. Mm -hmm. So what do you what do you have to say about? That's a really interesting thing. Here's here's first of all, I would say this: anything that's like sub zone three, you know, less than seventy five percent of your max heart rate. Hold on, just one second. Did I drop out? Might have. Let me double check. Let me see. Hold on, I'm watching the feed to see if it catches up. Still has this live. Let's see if it pops. Yeah, I, okay, sorry about that. No problem. Okay, I think we're back. Oh, somebody says they're good on their end. Okay, I think we're good. Yeah, let's go. Sorry, sorry, I appreciate that. All right, so breath no, exercise. Yeah, here's what I was going to say is like sub zone three, so 60 to 75 percent of my like anything below 75 percent of your max heart rate you should be able to breathe through your nose. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's going to do, a, there was a post we put on that, but it actually improves lung function. People don't realize is nitric oxide. There's nasally derived nitric oxide. And if you can learn to do that, it's going to vasodilate, increase lung function, improve oxygen uptake. It does some really cool stuff. Once you kind of breach that, it's really hard to be like in a lactic zone, you know, 80, 85% breathing through your nose only. If you can do that, like you're a freaking stud. Dude, we did, um, a, we did a thruster ladder, I told everybody. So one to 15 thrusters back down and it was one thruster, one nasal breath. And so you could breathe however you need to breathe during the exercise, but your rest was a nasal breath. I, I think I made it to like 14 on the way up and about exploded. I think Mike made it to like, you know, 12 on the way down and about exploded. It was... It was one of the gnarliest workouts I've ever done. That's so, hard. Dude, it was um, It was crazy. I would just say this is like, if you're lifting something heavy, yeah. you know, the Valsava maneuver of holding and bracing does a lot of good things, but it also can um, impact the myocardial tissue. Like, um, you actually get some hypertrophy. There's mm -hmm. some concentric hypertrophy, the left ventricle, which you want eccentric hypertrophy. But I would just say making sure that most of your training sessions 
that you can actually breathe in a rhythmic pattern. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, a certain number of your training sessions, like go for it, go for the puke, whatever makes you feel good. Cause sometimes you just need that. But, um, you know, one of the things, you know, being in an unstable environment, it's really functional. I mean, like, especially as we age, like training with a sandbag is something yeah. that picking up kids, doing things at the house, you know, these are things for longevity mm-hmm. and you can do it anywhere. But um, anything sub 75% of your max heart rate, so take 220 minus your heart rate, multiply it by 0.75. If you're wearing a heart rate monitor or an Apple Watch, just like most people, it's around 135 to 140. Anything below that, you should be able to breathe through your nose. Okay. I got to subtract. Then I divide it in half because I'm only working off one nostril still. Deviated septum? Oh, dude, terribly. Terribly. 19 times, man. Had it repaired once and oh. then broke it, like literally, I think I broke it two weeks after surgery. Uh, so yeah. Oh my goodness. I need to get back in and get the repair done. All right, let me see here. Let me check in on some stuff and we're coming up on an hour. Uh, All right, if anybody's got any questions, we're gonna, uh, I got a few things for him. We're gonna take about five more minutes. Uh, I've got a I've got a couple questions I want to ask Eric on my end as well. But if you got anything, anything's popped up for you, just go ahead and drop a comment in there. We'll answer it. Uh, I just want to double check uh, YouTube as well. Make sure I'm not missing anything on that side. Um, what was I going to ask you here? Give me a second. Let me look back on my notes real quick. I know that there's something no in particular I wanted to ask you. I you know I have to tell you this. Doing this stuff reminds me how blessed I have been in my life to be around ridiculously smart people. <laughs> With IT? Huh? Oh, no. You. No, no, I'm talking no. about you, oh, man. These conversations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what, this is like, this is my jam, man. This is where I, I love it. It's, uh, uh, while we're here, okay, so let's kind of, let's, let's wrap some things up while we're waiting to see if okay. anybody has anything else. So SEC is the best. Yes. Good for you. <laughs> Get it in there. Um, yeah. So here we are. And statistically, right, 95%, and we say this in our stuff, 95% of all New Year's resolutions are fitness-based. 68% of them are gone by the 17th. It's five days out. Yep. You didn't know that. Uh, literally done by the 17th of January, like 17 days. Uh, if I'm in this, if I'm if I'm committed, right? We're going to see the curve, right? We're going to see the curve happen. We have 1,400 people in this challenge, more wow. as, of, as of the day. So it's over over 1,400. I honestly, I expected about two or 300 people in here. Over That's 1,400 awesome. people in this challenge. So we're going to, you know, there's going to be some attrition. We get it because life's going to show up, not based on commitment or anything else. Uh, you know, I've got uh, our physical therapist going to come on and talk about kind of recovery and like body management over this time. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you see as like the, the barriers or the roadblocks kind of over a six week cycle? You know, you've trained a lot of professional athletes. I'm sure you start to see some some patterns emerge. Like what's the wisdom that is going? What is somebody headed for that they're unaware of? And what's the wisdom they can do to kind of to, to advert. Yeah. If you don't have a strong why, mm. uh, you're going to fail <sighs> because there are going to be days where you just don't freaking want to do it. 
And you have to go back to why. And if you don't like, well, what do you mean why? Well, like, why are you doing this? Well, I want to lose weight. Well, why do you want to lose weight? Well, I don't feel comfortable in my clothes. Okay, well, why don't you feel comfortable in your clothes? Well, I don't, you know, I really don't have that much energy at the end of the day. Well, why do you not? Well, why is that important to you? Well, because when I go home, I just sit on the couch and do nothing. I'm not really great for my family. Well, why is that important to you? Because I want to be a good spouse and I want to be a good father, whatever you want to say. Yeah. When you ask yourself five times why, you'll get to that real thing. And then when you have to take action, you need to go back to that why. And another thing is you need to identify your core values. And if you have like, if you value health or excellence or whatever, so you're like, your why is kind of like the, 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 the um, what's the foundation for your goal. And then if you can anchor on your values, like I am going to do this 10 minutes of breathing because I value X, I value my excellence. I value my family. I value my health. That is going to help you move through these periods of emotion where you don't feel like doing it. Hmm. If you don't have a strong why and you don't have values, you're going to eventually fail. If you have those two things, cemented and you can anchor your action and take a second to reflect on that. Like, I'll be honest. I feel like crap right now. Yeah. I have been sick for three days, but I had a commitment to be here and I showed up and that's why I was like, had a lozenge while I was on here yeah, and I'm nice. like, I'm having coughing, but you know what? Like I value our relationship. Yeah. I value excellence and I want to help other people that are pursuing this. And so, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to show up and be my best self. And I could have copped out today. Um, and that would have been an easy thing. What are you going to say? Like, you don't feel bad. Yeah. Well, I do feel bad. So, and the other thing is this the last thing is, is like, it doesn't have to be a monumental thing. So let's say life sucks. Something happened at work, your family, whatever, and you have a workout plan that day. Just get across the action line. Maybe it means like today I'm not really motivated. So I'm going to do 20 minutes of the workout. And then when it's over with, be like, great job. Yeah. Or I'm going to do five minutes of the breathing because five minutes is better than nothing. And then tomorrow life gets back on track. You know, you know I'm going to do 10 and I'm going to get back on that, like that type of mindset of moving through life as the waves go up and down will help you get to the end. Yeah. No, I mean, wait, I see you reading that question. I'll let you answer in a second. But I, you know, that is like structured the learning and the interviews and this process. Uh -huh to really match up with basically everything you laid out. But because because this is the convergence, right? I, I think we we get so segmented into the groupings of, oh, this is psychology. Oh, this is biology. Oh, this is whatever. And this is whatever. Like, like it all has to work together, right? I need, mm -hmm. I need positive self-talk when I need it. I need that to kind of help regulate me to drive me in. I mean, since since COVID and, and over Thanksgiving, I mean, my heart right now, I mean, we're in the, I'm in the the 1%, my uncle, 65 years old, radically fit human being, you know, John, there was not a over 40 rugby team at the national level before John turned 40. Mm -hmm. Then there was not a 50, then there was not a 60. So he, he created a new league at each benchmark for him, 65 mm -hmm. years old in his gym, working out, getting ready to come to Colorado for the, the nationals. 
um, two weeks after the vaccination and done. We have a severe history of myocarditis and heart issues in our family. So, you know, for me, the concern post-COVID has been my heart rate is just like, I mean, rapidly jumping. So I'm having to moderate my workouts. I'm having to elongate my rest periods. Uh, you know, I tracked it the other day. It took me, it took me almost 30 minutes to get back down uh, after a workout the other day, which is just insane for me. Uh, mm. So, but, but that's, but that's just, that's, that's not stopping me from doing those things. I'm navigating and adjusting accordingly to what my body is telling me and the conditions I'm in and then working the processes to, you know, recover over time. So I want to, do you see this question about, uh, yeah. So okay. Jonathan, um, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I know that's, that's been really difficult. Um, Jonathan, this will be the last question because I do have to go. Um, yeah. It's a little bit more complex than just heart rate. Yeah, there's a couple things. There's volume, which is can be the number of reps, the number of sets, or the duration of training. And then the intensity, which can be weight or heart rate if you're doing something cardiovascular in nature. Um, and so having a goal is important. But if you really want to hit the goal, you got to regulate your training every day based off of how your body can handle stress. Some days your body is like the window is open, so you freaking crush it. Some days that, that window is smaller, so just you need to do just enough so that you can get a stimulation. So I, a phrase I like to use is stimulate, don't annihilate. Mm, so just like stimulate that. the system. Yeah. And then when you're ready, you go back and crush it. And so um, – that's why I think it's really smart that you said, hey, five workouts, but, you know, someday, maybe you have to take back-to-back -back days off. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so that's why, I mean, I'm not trying to just shamelessly plug my product, but AM7 does that for you. So, um, and we're going to, and our product timeline is to bring in Polar. So if you sign up, you put in there that you use Polar when we're ready, we'll, yeah. we'll hit you up and let you know. Good. I mean, that's who, you know, when I started this stuff, Polar was really the only game in town. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we had Trisha. Trisha. Is that where we, yeah. I bet that's where we, yeah. Trisha, Trisha's that's where we met. She, she's living right up here in Boulder. Uh, yeah. She knows everybody. Dude, she's a crazy, crazy yeah. human being. I love her to death. That's it. Thank you for that reminder. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you got all right. it. So we're going to wrap this up. One, I'm going to make sure I actually put a separate post out with the links to AIM7. Get all Thank that you. stuff up. If you send me a little write up on it, um, I will. I'll get that in. I'm going to highly encourage uh, all of our people to take advantage of that and and stick with it because you know it's in my world it's insight without action is bullshit. In your world, <laughs> right? I agree. Yeah, it's the same thing, right? Data without you know whatever you said in there. Insight is useless. Yeah. yeah, without data, without insight is useless, right? And insight without action is bullshit. Uh, yeah, you know, I can have all the great. Oh, I see that moment until I do something about it. It's it's useless. Uh, so I one thank you, my friend, for giving me thank so you. much time uh, and yeah. supporting this community. Uh, I know that those that have watched and those that watch on the replay will just the education was unreal, unreal. Well, I'm I'm thankful that you gave me the opportunity and I'm I'm just looking forward to engaging more with the brute force community. This is going to be a lot of fun. 
Um, got some I got to get myself a freaking sandbag. For I, just, I just, I just, I know, I know. Well, we'll get you taken care of. This is no, no. I'm saying gift. you need to no, 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 no. Well, that'll be my gift to you. I think the community would be like, yeah. So, community to you. Plus, we've got some other things planned. You and I have some other conversations <laughs> in the works on some stuff. Uh, so, Eric, I, just thanks, brother. I mean, I really you appreciate got it. it, dude. Wisdom was crazy. Go spend time with your family. Thank your family for, for. For giving you up for for us for now. You got it. All right, brother. Hey, it was a great time. Hey, everybody, have a great night. Take care. Okay, thanks, you. All right, thanks for joining us today. Great episode, great conversation, great interview. Make sure you subscribe, download, grab the next ones in line, and get ready to get set up because Mike and I will be back on the air soon with a lot more.